3: Welcome to Truth Transforms. I'm your host, Galen McDowell. I'm the Senior Assistant Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois. As we celebrate 2018, uh, I want to just, first of all, just say Happy New Year. I hope that your holiday season was nice and you uh, had a transformative experience, not because the year changed, but because you realized that you can be new every moment, Uh As I've been working with folks over this holiday season, one of the things that's really come across to me, at least, has been that folks really, really want 2018 to look differently than 2017. And one of the things that I really want to get across with this new series that I'm starting and 2018 in general and beyond is life changes when we change. Life changes when we change. Yesterday, as I was doing a lesson, um, uh, a Noonday Daily Inspiration lesson in the Faith Chapel at Christ Universal Temple, one of the things that I stated uh, was that the secret to this teaching is to change your mind and keep it changed. There's nothing you can do or learn that will override changing your mind And keeping it changed. Anybody can change their minds. For a fleeting moment. For a day. For a few days. But changing your mind. And keeping it changed. Is the master skill. Why is it the master skill? Because. Anyone. Who really succeeds in life will succeed based upon their ability to be consistent, to be focused, to be able to concentrate on the goal, on the task, on the agenda, instead of just seeking to be in the space where we're relying on temporary emotional highs. To get us where we want to be. And for some people, let me rephrase that. For almost everyone, we have to be mindful not to get caught up in the temporary emotional high of the moment where you get caught up in the motivation of the moment. And motivation is good. Inspiration is good. But motivation... And inspiration will not override changing your mind and keeping it changed. Nothing will. It doesn't make a difference how smart you are. It doesn't make a difference how many skills you have. It doesn't make a difference how much education or experience you have. If you can't change your mind... And keep it changed. So, I want that to be your mantra, mantra rather, for this year. I'm going to change my mind and I'm going to keep it changed. Because it doesn't make a difference how many new thought books and self help books you have. It doesn't make a difference how many audio and video programs you have. It doesn't make a difference who was your teacher or minister or guru or whatever. It doesn't make a difference if you can speak all the biblical languages of Hebrew, Greek, Aramaic, and Latin. If you can't change your mind and keep it changed, you won't have the life you desire. Point blank. And this is the hard truth. And I'm saying it. Because I want to make sure that it lands. If you can't change your mind and keep it changed, it doesn't make a difference what you know. Because when it's all said and done, life is based upon the results you get. You know, when it's all said and done, the real question of life is does it work? Does it work? This is why, in the early days, New Thought always used the term "science" in its language. Science, from the standpoint of it's demonstrable, so you'll hear terms like religious science, which is now called centers for spiritual living, science of mind. That's the the main textbook of religious science. You hear the first New Thought group was called Divine Science. Phineas P. Quimby, who was considered the founder of New Thought, who wasn't trying to find, didn't know he founded a spiritual movement, was said he was teaching the science of Christ. One of his students, who went off on on her own branch of the tree, Mary Baker Eddy taught Christian Science. Gen- New Thought was generically called mental science, and sometimes. Christian science, not the Mary Baker Eddy version. Why science, 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 science? Because science is both a, a knowledge and it's demonstrable. So what you're saying, when you said you practice the new thought teachings, when you are a practitioner notice the term i'm using and i'm not talking about practitioner in the context of licensed practitioner that works in many of the new thought groups that teach and counsel and all that. i'm just talking about practitioner from the standpoint of you practice the teachings it shows up in the demonstration of your life world in the in, affairs. It shows up in how you think. It shows up in how you feel. It shows up in what you say. It shows up in your actions. It shows up on your in your reactions. This is how we teach it at Christ Universal Temple at in the Johnny Coleman Institute and and in the Universal Foundation for Better Living. We call it the law of demonstration. This teaching is demonstrable. So as I'm going to you know transition into the book that I'll be teaching for this new series, I want to make sure that I'm laying some foundation Because the foundation matters. You have to change your mind. And you have to keep it changed. You know, many people start off the new year with resolutions. That don't mean a hill of beans. Because they're not determined... To change their minds and keep it changed, uh, so you know, being on social media, sometimes I'm seeing people who are really, really inspiring. From the standpoint of, I've seen several people who I know some, you know, well, some I know through the ministry that are that have been working on getting their bodies healthy. I've seen people lose, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 pounds over the last year because they changed their minds and they kept them changed. They kept their minds changed when it came to exercise. Yes, it's easier to sit on the couch and watch TV. Yes, it's easier to watch Netflix on your phone and tablet. Yes, it's easier to scroll through your Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, and Instagram. Yes, it's easier just to chit-chat, text, and call folks. Yes, it's easier not to work on your diet. Yes, it's easier not to go to the gym four or five days a week. But doing those things wouldn't get those people the results that they desire. But when they changed their minds about their health and their weight and they kept their minds changed, now they're seeing the results of that change. So a lot of people start the year off when I'm going to change my diet, I'm going to exercise and I'm going to lose weight. These people did it last year and now I can see based upon the pictures on social media that they changed their minds and they kept them changed. You know, I can remember years ago hearing a sermon from uh, the Money Cometh preacher, uh, Dr. Leroy Thompson. And he said that he had got to a place when he was younger where he made a decision that he would never be broke another day in his life. And the way he said it, even years, decades after that experience, the conviction that was in his voice was, I will never be broke again another day in my life. No matter what, through whatever legal, spiritual, and intellectual ways he could use his skills, talents, and abilities to demonstrate prosperity and abundance, he was going to do so. He made up his mind. And he kept it changed. When was the last time. You made up your mind. And you kept it changed. Not for a day. Not for a weekend. Not for a week. Not for 21 days. Period. You changed your mind. And you kept it changed. No matter what. It's painful. No matter what. It's frustrating. No matter what. It hurts. No matter what. It's not easy. No matter what. Can you keep your change your mind and keep it changed? Because that's the secret to your healing. That's the secret to your abundance. That's the secret to your wisdom. That's the secret to your miracles. That's the secret to your breakthroughs. Change your mind. And keep it change. Because to assume that you're not going to bump into any hiccups when you change your mind and keep it changes is... What's the word I want to use that's nice? It's not using wisdom. There are going to be times where you're going to bump up against you, your own beliefs, your own circumstances. There are times where you're going to bump into you showing up as others. In other words, through your consciousness, you've drawn some people into your experiences. Sometimes you're going to bump up against the resistance of the collective human consciousness, the beliefs, the mental trends that exist in the world that are based upon gender, that are based upon race, that's based upon uh, uh, where you live as a nation, as a state, as a county, as a city, as a neighborhood. It's going to be based upon your, uh, your income level, your education. You're going to bump into some resistance. Some you, some that's a part of the collective. And you have to be determined in the midst of all of that to change your mind and keep it changed. Change your mind and keep it changed. Again, not for a few hours. Not for a day, not for a weekend, not for 21 days. All those things are great. But can you change your mind and keep it changed? Can you say, as the prayer of faith from Unity states, God is my health. I can't be sick. Change my mind. I'm going to keep it changed. Can you say like Leroy Thompson said, I'll never be broke another day in my life. Change your mind and keep it changed. What does that mean? What does that mean? What does change your mind and keep it changed mean to you? As you look back over your goals, and we're going to drill down on some stuff very shortly as I pick up this book in a few minutes. But I wanted to make sure that I I gave you the impact of where I am right now, not where the author of this book is. Where I am, I'm in the space where I really get that the reason why my demonstrations haven't desired demonstrations, let me rephrase that because we always demonstrate The reason why I don't have some of my desired demonstrations is because in those areas, I haven't changed my mind and kept it changed. Because when you change your mind and keep it changed, everything lines up like the tip of an arrow that can pierce through the things that it needs to pierce through for you to get to where you need to get. When you change your mind and you keep it changed, you'll, you develop momentum. You, Because energy is in motion now. Hear me what I'm saying. When you change your mind and you keep it changed, you now create energy in motion. And energy in motion as it develops and enhances builds up momentum and when you have uh, something of a strong mass moving with momentum people need to get out of the way sometimes people are opposing you just because you don't have enough energy behind what you do as I told Bodhi Spiritual Center on this past Sunday, nobody's afraid to jump in front of a parked car. Keep that in mind. When you are moving, people pay attention. and haters who will hate that's what they do until they're enlightened will get out of the way and hate from the side because they're not going to stand in front. Because if you're rolling along, it's you're rolling with me, you're getting away from me, or if you stand in front of me, this energy is just going to keep going forward. Now, what do you believe? Now, I know that might sound for some people like, oh, my God, that sounds aggressive. But I'm trying to get you to the space where you understand that you have to develop momentum. You have to explode into your new good. A couple of Sundays ago at Christ Universal Temple, I showed a video of a space shuttle launch. And one of the things that I tried to get across in my sermon was that 80% of the fuel is used for the space shuttle at takeoff. They attach two rockets to the space shuttle just to get it into space. That detach once once the space shuttle reaches a certain level of the atmosphere. So the space shuttle can do all of these marvelous things. But what difference does it make if it can't get off? Out of the Earth's atmosphere to do what it needs to do. And you might have all this, all these talents, gifts, and abilities. You might be able to do a lot of marvelous things. Yet your life is stuck because you don't have enough energy and motion to launch. And the way you have the energy and motion to launch change your mind and keep it changed, which would then start to develop the energy, the, the momentum, the zeal, the enthusiasm, the faith, the strength to be able to launch. You got to be focused, you got to be constant, you have to concentrate on what it is that you say you desire. I really want you to get it. Are you ready? to launch? Are you ready to keep the main thing the main thing? Are you clear about what it is that you say you want? How clear is it in your mind? This is what I taught in the last series at the end of the year on the mental equivalent. How clear is it in your mind? How much conviction, feeling, trust, belief do you have behind what it is that you say you want? Do you believe it's possible for you to have it? And I know sometimes you say, oh, I believe it's possible. And we'll say that with our words, but our actions will state differently. Our actions will say, no, I don't believe it. Our mouths will say, I believe it, but what are we doing? Change your mind and keep it changed. I love the story about, and uh, the success principles by Jack Canfield. I'm teaching that book again, by the way, in the Johnny Coleman Institute. That's the mastermind for success. I teach the success principles. I'm teaching a newer version of the book now and uh, with the Mastermind Journal 2018 version where um, on Wednesday nights, Johnny Coleman Institute at Christ Universal Temple. But in the book, it's a story about a a senior citizen, a man who decided that he would give up sweets except for one sweet a week. For his health. And he was a successful. Well loved man. And. A bunch of people came together. And gave him a surprise. Birthday party. And in the midst of the party. He had a cake and ice cream. And when it was time for him. To eat his cake and ice cream. He told them no. Because he had already had. His sweet. Sweets or whatever you eat, cake, ice cream, whatever, for the week. Oh, no, sir, this is your party. You got to have some ice cream. No, I don't. And he didn't eat it. Now, for some people, that's disappointing. But for us who understand that you must change your mind and keep a change, it makes total sense. Total sense. I want you to get it. A friend of mine was running, she ran a, uh, a marathon this summer. And at the church conference, if people got up early enough, she was running around the resort. Preparing, even while she was on vacation in another country. Up in the morning, running around the resort. Going to the gym, running on the treadmill. Because she had changed her mind and she kept it changed, and she was going to complete that marathon. Again, when was the last time you changed your mind and you kept it changed? I really wanted to land. I really wanted to land. My prayer is that what I'm saying to you, whether if you're listening to this live or you'll be listening to this show via iTunes or Stitcher radio app for Android devices or the website or replay one day, that you'll really get what I'm saying. Can you change your mind and keep it changed? Because it doesn't make a difference how many Deepak Chopra books you have, or Wayne Dyer books you have, or Joe Goldsmith books you have, or Charles Fillmore books, or Ernest Holmes, or Louise Hay, or Emmett Fox, or Neville, or Eric Butterworth, or anyone else. Can you change your mind and keep it changed? Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So I've said a lot. So now I can prep for what we're going to be doing for the next several weeks. I'm going to be teaching out of the book Abundance Now by Lisa Nichols. Lisa Nichols is a friend. Uh, she's also a friend of Christ Universal Temple. Uh, she's been here to speak many times, including when she first broke out with her first chicken soup of the soul book with Mark Victor Hansen. Uh, she's a beautiful soul, and she knows what she's talking about when it comes to building and developing success. Um, you know, She's an African American woman who has built a multi million dollar uh, success coaching business. Uh, she gets results and she coaches high profile clients as well as what the world says is the average citizen. The key is this as you work through this book, and what I would recommend is that as we work through the book, purchase the book. Uh, it's in paperback now. The paperback version is only 1599. I have the original hardcover book. Um, you can order it through the CUT bookstore. you can order it on amazon.com or wherever you need to get it. But get the book, that's my request. So we can work with it step by step for you to learn what you need to learn for the, to get the results you want to get. but let me be clear. What we're going to be studying is the success principles she espouses along with how I interpret it based upon how I understand and teach new thought. That being said, none of it overrides changing your mind and keeping it changed. Because if not, you'll just be looking at the shiny new toy. Ooh, a new book. That's really good. Did you read that book? And your life won't change. You won't have any transformation, and you won't have access to it because the access to it is is in being in integrity with yourself, changing your mind and keeping it changed. That's your that's your access to it because you already have the spirit of God within you. You already have the power of God within you. You already have the love of God within you. You already have the wisdom of God within within you. You already are one with the substance of God that shows up as abundance in all forms. You're already one with all the good. But it's only potential now. It's only a possibility. And I, I say that in the context of understanding that until you have a realization of what has been revealed, you can't properly and fully benefit from your relationship to God. No one can. So if you're ready to do the work, get the abundance now by Lisa Nichols. I'm going to cover a few things in the first chapter. Uh, for the remaining part of the show, we're coming close to our break. So let me say that uh, quickly that this show, along with all the other shows on Unity Online Radio, are supported by your donations. So as you freely receive, freely give, go to unity.fm, click on the giving or donate button, button and help support this online ministry. Um, the show has a Facebook page, Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. Go on the Facebook page, uh, give it a five-star rating, give it a positive review. I would greatly appreciate it. And on iTunes or Stitcher, if you listen to it on those uh, modalities, go on, give it a, a five-star rating and a positive review so we can help spread the message. We'll be right back with Truth Transforms.
0: 72727. Thank you for your support.
1: If you've ever wondered how a specific Bible verse might be interpreted metaphysically, then Interpret This is for you. In Interpret This, Unity Minister Reverend Ed Townley answers your questions about the Bible and how to apply its verses to your life with passion, depth, and spiritual insight. To submit a question or to enjoy any of his numerous metaphysical interpretations, visit unity.org and click on the Interpret This box. Someone once said there are two ways to get to the top of an oak tree. Climb the tree or plant an acorn and wait. If we expect changes to happen in our lives, we may want to consider climbing. Plus, changes needn't be monumental. Sometimes it's as easy as an attitude shift. Life is what we bring to it. Do you have a job that seems less than exciting? When you walk through the door, bring joy with you. Life looks better when viewed through a positive attitude. Are you facing a health challenge or surgery? Get rid of your fears by focusing instead on spirit working in and through you. When you remember that with God all things are possible, your outlook cannot help but change. Today, wherever you go, whatever you face, do so with joyous expectations. Release your inner splendor and allow the light and love of God to guide your way.
0: This Mindful Moment is brought to you by Daily Word magazine. Finding time for the positive reminders in Daily Word is easy with the digital edition, perfect for smartphones and readers on the go. Give it a test run with our 30-day free trial offer. Learn more at unityonlineradio.org slash daily
1: It is the birthright of each and every one of us to live an awakened life. Most religions and spiritual traditions teach us that we need to adopt a certain belief system or follow some prescribed steps to attain a state of enlightenment. A long-held belief about awakening is that only a small number of people destined to become gurus or spiritual teachers can attain it. It is certainly true that until recent times, only a small number of people on the planet had attained this state of full self-realization. These saints, mystics, and spiritual masters were seen as special. They certainly were at the time. However, times are changing. This message was brought to you by T.J. Woodward, host of Awakened Living Radio. Learn more from T.J. on his weekly podcasts. Episodes are available on UnityOnlineRadio.org, iTunes, and Google Play Music.
2: Thank you for tuning in to Truth Transforms. Now here's your host, Rev. Galen McDowell.
3: All right. Welcome back to Truth Transformed. So I'm going to start working with, again, Abundance Now by Lisa Nichols. I wanted to make sure that I got my point across before I start working on a book, any book. So I'm going to write to page 11 because uh, the first chapter is getting ready for transformation, defining abundance and scarcity. So she wrote, abundance is not something available for sale or purchase. It is something that we tap into, build, and grow. And she goes on to say in the second paragraph, which I think is a real, real powerful statement. She wrote, of course, the truth is that no matter where you start out in life, you have a choice between scarcity and abundance. And, and this is the beauty of shifting your mindset, changing your mind and keep it changed, because people give you the reasons why you can't succeed. Well, you're, you know, you were born in an under, underprivileged area. That's a serious issue. Um, you were born on the wrong side of the tracks. Drug addict parents or alcoholic parents. Um, you know, and many other things that we can come up with. And I remember going on Amazon Prime and I was watching the, this TV series where they were talking about uh, where they had this um, Christian organization that went overseas and they went to some Africa African country, I can't remember the name of the country, to a village. And uh, this church decided that for a year, they were going to supply all of the village with eggs. So everybody have enough eggs to eat. And that's a beautiful thing. People came together, they mobilized, etc. cetera. But this was the unexpected result of it. There were farmers in the area that had chickens. And in that area, they sold eggs. They had chicken farmers. They sold eggs. Instead of just, you know, because when you have a lot of chickens, instead of just killing the chickens and using meat, they were like, these chickens are a way for us to be able to make money. So they created a local economy, and people were hired to work on the farms to be able to sell chickens to the villages around the farm well this area was inundated with eggs for a year all the farmers went out of business along with the jobs that went along with it and then the church moved on to another area and now there's no egg farmers in that area and their surrounding villages, and one and when they were interviewing the farmers, the farmer said, "We would have preferred that they came in and helped the people who were building a econo- kind trying to build an economy for the village, where you know people pay for this, trade for that, or whatever food for." labor or create jobs and etc to help them create build and create local economies versus just now notice what I'm just saying just giving them something and then leaving and moving on because they felt good because they did something for you and now they moved on to another area in the world so when we view people strictly from the standpoint of they can't do for themselves, we rob them of the dignity of responsibility. So we have to be careful that even when we help, and I'm a big believer in help. I'm a big believer in charity. I'm a big believer in supporting folks to give them a hand up. I'm a big believer in that. However, I'm also a big believer that when you're helping people, you can't have the mindset that they are um, disempowered, that they can't achieve something on their own. They don't. You can't have the. I can't have the belief that they can't achieve because I believe. In the omnipresence of God. Therefore, if God is everywhere present, the possibility of good is always present. And what we have to do is become aware of it through the ideas, through the talents, through the gifts, to be able to produce prosperity in spaces where scarcity exists. So when she says, you have a choice between scarcity and abundance, that's a paradigm shift because somebody has their story and somebody's trying to pull up stories that don't have anything to do with them. Well, what about these people and what about these children and what about these people and what about that? And what we see in many instances is people who have been given a script that they're living out. Because they don't know that they have a choice between scarcity and abundance, so you live out the script. Um, one of the uh, when I was a kid, uh, it was a show on TV called Good Times, and Good Times was a show about a family and the projects that were trying to deal with, you know, the issues. And you know, I would watch it with my family. I'm not the biggest fan of Good Times because at times it seems as though they were making it okay to be poor. And somehow justifying it. But it was one particular episode that really, really frustrated me as a kid. It was a episode where JJ, who was one of the main characters and the central funny person on the show, uh, created a picture of what he called a black Jesus. Now, well, nobody, you know, you know, just his image of instead of the image of the Nordic. You know, Caucasian, you know, strawberry blonde picture of Jesus that many people carry in their minds. He created a Jesus that looked like him. Not him specifically, but like an African-American. And his father loved the picture. His mother was, oh, my God, what are you doing? This is blasphemous. So the father takes the white picture of Jesus that his wife had off the wall. And by the way, this is not a conversation about white or black people. I'm talking about paradigm shift, just to be clear. He puts the black picture of Jesus on the wall. And in that moment, the family had a shift, except for the mom. All of a sudden, the dad started having some breakthroughs about money and job. All of a sudden, J.J. starts getting gigs for his Uh, For his uh, painting, all of a sudden, the two other children, Michael and Walona, start having some blessings show up. All this happened around this paradigm shift. And instead of walking in the blessing, Florida, the wife and the mother takes the black picture of Jesus off and puts the white picture of Jesus up because she'd rather be poor with the white Jesus than prosperous with the image of a black Jesus that looked like her. And to this day, I won't watch that episode. My sister loves a good time, so when I go over there, many times she's watching it. Uh, but if that episode is on, I'll go into another room. I'm not watching that episode because it that episode in particular, and then especially when they killed off the father, made it okay. The father was always like, no, I'm hustling. We got to do what we got to do. And I don't mean hustling from the standpoint of a negative drugs or whatever. I'm talking about hustling in a pure sense. What do we need to do to get ahead? To make sure that we control, keep this family together. To make sure that it's not being affected by the the uh, experiences of Project Living. But then they killed the father off because they didn't want a positive male image on the TV. They wanted the show to be about buffoonery. Anyway, my point is... That imagery that was being pumped into people's heads was that there was some type of virtue in poverty. I'm not trying to take anybody's good times from them. I'm not saying I've never enjoyed the show or whatever. I'm talking about one particular episode. But just in general, the concept after the dad died in particular was it's okay to live in this poverty we still together, struggling, stressed, frustrated, because potential is literally being drained out of people because of their setting, because of the environment that they live in. So it's a paradigm shift to tell people who don't have that they have a choice between scarcity and abundance. This is what Reverend Coleman was co- telling people in Chicago, South Side of Chicago, in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. But think about being in the 50s and 60s under uh, oppression. African Americans under oppression. And you have this woman telling people that if you can change your consciousness, you can be prosperous. If you can change your consciousness, you can be healthy. If you can change your consciousness, you can have what you want. Radical. And instead of people understanding what that meant, people attacked her instead, her own folks. Church people. What's she talking about prosperity for? Why she always talking about money? Why she's always talking about getting stuff? While our communities were struggling. And she's saying there could be a different way. There's a choice between scarcity and abundance. Lisa Nichols goes on to say, first page of chapter one, you have a choice between simply managing the struggle or living a rich, rewarding life filled with unique experiences, exciting career options, nurturing relationships, and the comfort and ease that comes with financial success. Are you managing your struggle today? Or have you decided to change your mind and keep it changed so you can have a better life? She goes on to say, even better than this, this life of of abundance is something you get to define for yourself. It's not about what the Kardashians and, and real housewives of Atlanta or all these other ratchet TV reality shows are saying abundance is. You get to define what abundance is for you. What does a happy, successful, loving, prosperous, and fulfilling life look like for you? For you. What does that look like? And the second question is are you committed to getting it? Are you committed to living that life? And if you're committed to living that life, you're going to change your mind and keep it changed. She goes on to say, on page 13, she tells a story about her shift when she read Stephen Covey's classic book The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And he started talking about beginning with the end in mind. That's one of the habits. And she wrote this. She wrote, he said, picture yourself at your own funeral three years from now. Then listen as four speakers, a family member, a friend, a business acquaintance, and a community volunteer. Describe your character. And the difference you made in their lives. What would they say about me? I wondered. What would I want them to say about me? Just think about that. Have you ever decided? Have you ever chosen who you want to be? Not who you're showing up as now, who do you want to be? I was, I was watching this documentary on the um, legendary pro wrestler Rick Flair on ESPN. And he was talking about early in his life and um, how he started off his pro wrestling career. And he was rather a bland wrestling individual. And he was a part, he was on a plane crash. And he went from being a guy that was probably around 270 pounds to because he broke his back in the plane crash around 185 pounds and it took him about a year to rehab to get his weight back. He worked out every day. Every day. And his name is Richard Fleer, but he had in his mind that he was going to be this new type of wrestler, a wrestler that that was uh, larger than life, fast talking and smooth, and you know, blonde hair, and he was going to ride in limousines and wear the best suits and have the rings and and and, and flying private jets, and you know, he was going to get all the the ladies he wanted. Now, I'm not judging it right or wrong. He decided. He didn't want to be Richard Flair anymore. He wanted to be Ric Flair, and he had in his mind who Ric Flair was. Now, forty plus years later, almost forty-five or so years since that accident, forty-four or so years after, there is, there is no Richard Flair. There's only Ric Flair. Now, why do I say that? Because his friends said, his colleagues in the wrestling business, his family, good, bad, or indifferent, because that choice had its benefits and it also had its drawbacks. My point that I'm trying to make is he changed his mind and he kept it changed. For him, there's only Ric Flair. He died to who he was. Can you change your mind and keep it changed? What would people say if that was your funeral? What did you accomplish? Whose lives did you change for the better? Who did you lead? Who did you mentor? Who did you influence? How did you impact life? Just think about that. Are you just existing? So let me leave because we only have a few minutes left and I can't get into some of the other stuff that's in this book. I I thought I was going to go a little bit further, but when I shifted this morning to me starting to show off differently, I've robbed the ability of covering this chapter in a way I want to, which is in a way is good because now it gives you a chance to get the book and get caught up. This is the homework for this show. Go and research what it is that would give you satisfaction, and fulfillment. That's one. Two, do this this week. You have a seven-day assignment. Go and research what would give you satisfaction and fulfillment. So if you know what will give you satisfaction and fulfillment, research it. Get as much information as you can in these seven days. If you're not sure, investigate what gives you satisfaction and fulfillment already what would what would you do if you had no bills if you don't have to worry about money and other responsibilities? What would you do? Who would you be once you figure that out, research what would give you satisfaction and fulfillment and before the seven days is over, find where you can volunteer. In some way, even if it's in the smallest capacity, so you can be around what gives you satisfaction and fulfillment. Find somebody to volunteer. Hey, I'll volunteer. I'll come for 30 minutes. I'll do it online. I'll do it over the phone. Be creative. It's not for me to figure out how you do it. If you have to create an experience to help somebody else do it, then do it. What I'm trying to say is it's time to get into action, clarity in action. So that's your homework. Last thing is get the book Abundance Now and let's work. I have to give Lisa a call and let her know that I'll be teaching her book so she can listen to it. Maybe she'll be available to, to come on the show after I finish teaching the book. So I'm just gonna put that out as, as an an intention because I think that matters. So we're wrapping up the show now. We only have a couple of seconds left. Uh I realize now that I didn't even open up the show for calls, so I apologize for that. I was kind of just in my flow. Um So I will open up the the show for calls next week. I will be traveling. I have uh, UFBL business to handle, so. Uh, we won't have a show next week. So you have two weeks to get the book and, um, start working on it. So I'll see you in two weeks. We'll be right back. I mean, we'll be back in two weeks with Truth Transforms. Take care.
1: the birthright of each and every one of us to live an awakened life. Most religions and spiritual traditions teach us that we need to adopt a certain belief system or follow some prescribed steps to attain a state of enlightenment. A long-held belief about awakening is that only a small number of people destined to become gurus or spiritual teachers can attain it. It is certainly true that until recent times, only a small number of people on the planet had attained this state of full self-realization. These saints, mystics, and spiritual masters were seen as special. They certainly were, at the time. However, times are changing. This message was brought to you by T.J. Woodward, host of Awakened Living Radio. Learn more from T.J. on his weekly podcasts. Episodes are available on UnityOnlineRadio.org, iTunes, and Google Play Music.
0: With all the paths open to us, it's easy to feel lost sometimes. Although the darkness of doubt and confusion may make the best choices difficult to see, there is within each of us a light that helps to illumine our way. When I stop and let inner peace be my guide, I am surely led to good, no matter what the circumstance. The peace I feel within myself paves any path I'm on, making even the roughest roads more manageable. I've heard that it's not so much the destination that matters as the journey itself. So in the midst of deciding which way to go in life, I go within. Wherever I turn, the signs all point to peace. Peace can begin with me.
1: To find a Unity Church near you, please visit our website at www.unity.org.
0: What got you started on your spiritual path? Minister and radio host Paul John Roach says his path began when he heard George Harrison of the Beatles talking about Hindu philosophy and meditation. Paul John writes about it in the current edition of Unity Magazine. And don't miss the interview with Eben Alexander, the neurologist whose near-death experience led him to write Proof of Heaven. It's all in the September-October edition of Unity Magazine. Go to Unity.org and click on Publications.